people in prayer. Um, but especially I want to ask you to pray for Mariah Locke. Now, how many of you got your bread chart? One person. Okay, two. Yay. Well, they're out there on that information desk. And um, I'm telling you, if you don't have a regular routine of reading the Bible, you need to start one. The Bible is so rich. You can never discover all the good things that are in there. So let me encourage you. Um, You know, I've heard people say, well, life doesn't come with an instruction manual. Well, yes, it does. With the Bible, and I don't have my Bible up here with me tonight. I've got my scriptures typed out. But the Bible gives us instruction for every area of our lives. Everything that we'll ever deal with, there's instructions for us in the Word of God. So let me encourage you to start reading your Bible. Last week we talked about Abraham and um, Jesus, our hope. And tonight we're going to talk about the good news, the reason for our hope. Would it still be Christmas if the Christ child never came? Could it still be Christmas or just another day? Would choirs still be singing songs of peace on earth? Would angels be rejoicing if there had been no birth? Could there be Christmas? Would love be the same? Would it all be different if we never heard his name? What would be the reason for this special season if there had been no baby born that day? That's a Christmas song. Would it still be Christmas? Y'all better be glad I can't sing good because you would have to hear me all the time. I love Christmas music especially. So what's the big deal about Christmas? Why do we need Christmas? Christmas was the most profound event in human history. You know what's amazing about Christmas? The whole world measures time by the birth of Christ. That's pretty amazing. B.C. is an abbreviation for before Christ, and A.D., who knows what A.D. stands for? No, it doesn't stand for after death because we would have a 33-year gap between the birth and the death. Who knows what it stands for? Yes. That's a Latin word. I think it's, um, I don't know, Anno Domini is what they said in the dictionary, um, which is Latin for in the year of our Lord. So the whole world measures time by the birth of Christ. I would say that was a pretty significant event. 4,000 years ago, God promised he would do something through the line of Abraham. 2,000 years later, Jesus was born. And 2,000 years after that, we're still talking about it. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 10. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
At his birth, Jesus is called a Savior. And in times like these, we need a Savior. In times like these, we need an anchor. Be very sure, be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. The rock is Jesus. He's the one. Last week, I brought an anchor because we talked about Jesus is our anchor. He is our hope. Jesus came to do what blood, the blood of bulls and goats could never do, and that is save his people from their sins. He was Emmanuel, God with us, the perfect Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world, born of a virgin, crucified on a cross to redeem you and me, buried in a borrowed tomb and resurrected on the third day, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And because he was victorious, we can be victorious. That is our hope. The whole story surrounding the birth of Christ is amazing and magical, full of awe and wonder. And we have our Christmas plays. We're going to have one Sunday, and I know we're going to have shepherds and wise men and angels because Annie's going to be an angel. And we try to depict the best way we can the miraculous story of the birth of Christ. Joy to the world. You know that was written as a poem, not as a song, in the 1700s by Isaac Watts, who wrote many, many of our hymns. But he actually wrote it about the second coming of Christ, not the first time he came. But it's become one of the most popular Christmas songs of all times. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. And you know what? He is coming again. He's coming again, and I feel like we're living on the verge of the second coming of Christ. Just this week, I was listening to the radio, and anytime I hear something like this, you know, for a minute, it strikes fear in my heart. And then I remember that God is in control. But the radio broadcast was called The Land and the Book. And the guy was quoting an Iranian official that said, we will destroy the U.S., Israel, and what was the other? Saudi Arabia, if they cross any of our red lines. And they said, what can we do? They said, the only thing we can do is to be prepared. And, you know, to be alert and be prepared. You know, the thought of a nuclear war terrifies me. But at the same time, I know that God is in control. And it's not his will for us to fear because we have hope. But you know what? If you're not ready to meet God, you need to get ready. You don't need to wait. Um, don't don't be so busy. I try to get y'all to read your Bible. But listen, don't be so busy and distracted with things that you're not aware of what's going on in the world. You know there are groups of people working day and night to destroy and silence the church in our country. We're not 
looking for the future that persecution will come. It is here. So don't bury your head in the sand. Don't feel like I can just go on with life as normal. Jesus Christ is getting ready to come back. And you know what? As the days progress and and all of these things are happening at lightning speed, you better know what you believe. You better have your anchor on that solid rock. You better be sure. You better know that your election and calling is sure. I want to make it, don't you? So we learned last week that Abraham was just an ordinary man that chose to trust God. And God made him some promises. Even though Abraham and Sarah both laughed in disbelief, even though Abraham lied on two separate occasions about his wife and a whole bunch of other things, God uses ordinary, imperfect people to accomplish his purpose. Abraham, the father of the faith, he trusted God, but he didn't live long enough to see the promises God made him come to pass. That I'm going to make of you a great nation. And the people that bless you, I'm going to bless them. The people that curse you, I'm going to curse them. He didn't live to see his people become a great nation i mean he was a hundred years old before he ever had his isaac was born but you know what one of the saddest stories in the bible is the story of the jews rejecting their own messiah after desperately waiting and anticipating his arrival most jews didn't even recognize him oh come oh come emmanuel and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. They were expecting a mighty warrior king that would expel their enemies and reestablish their nation. But that's not what Jesus came for. That's going to happen in the millennial, when Jesus comes back and establishes his kingdom on earth. That's when all that's going to happen. But Jesus came, his purpose for coming on earth as a baby and dying on a cross was to bring personal peace between people and God. That is amazing, folks, that the creator God would care enough about us to come as a baby. Everybody loves babies. You know why? Because he's a relational God. He wants to be personal in your life. He wants a relationship with all of us. He desires fellowship with us. He wants you to know him. The Jews rejected Jesus as Messiah because it was absolutely inconceivable to them that God came down as a man and dwelt among them. It was complete heresy for any man to claim to, that he was God. Their pride and their strict adherence to the law blinded them to who Jesus was. You read about the Pharisees, 
the religious leaders of that day. They saw unbelievable miracles. And they questioned, who are you to forgive sins? I mean, how could they be that blind in their own pride because they were so holy and so religious that they didn't recognize the king of glory? It, it, it blows my mind. But then, even Joseph had to be convinced by an angel that Mary's story was true. Joseph said, why me? I'm just a simple man of trade. Why him with all the rulers in the world? Why here inside this stable filled with hay? Why her? She's just an ordinary girl. Now, I'm not one to second guess what angels have to say. But this is such a strange way to save the world. That's another Christmas song, by the way. Let's read Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. And I'm, I'm reading from uh, the New American Standard Version. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. You know, David was a descendant of Abraham. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. She was pregnant with John the Baptist. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold the bondslave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. 
And Mary stayed there about three months before she returned home. Now, I'm not sure why Mary immediately after the angel spoke to her, why she left and went to Elizabeth's, which I guess was her aunt or her cousin, some kind of relative, huh? Her cousin. But she married a young teenager at the time. Can you imagine the fear she had of telling her parents and Joseph, I'm pregnant? Because according to the law, she could have been stoned. And we know from the account in Matthew chapter 1 that Joseph didn't believe her because he was going to divorce her quietly. They were engaged. That was the same as being married. Or maybe she just needed someone to believe her and the angel had told her about Elizabeth. And Uncle Zacharias, he was a priest. So maybe she thought, they'll believe me. And maybe they can tell me what to do. I don't know. But I can imagine that she was fearful of what people would say and think, especially Joseph. But of course, we know God had all the details worked out. And he sent an angel to talk to Joseph And everything worked out just fine. So then we skip over to Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now here was Mary about to give birth, full pregnancy, and they have to make a trip, which I've read took them five days to get there on foot. And we don't know. We see pictures of Mary riding on the donkey. But is that in the scripture? I don't know. I've never read that. So if I did, I don't remember it. But she may not have had anything to ride on. She may have walked the whole way. Um. Did Mary and Joseph understand that it was prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem? I don't know if they understood that or not. They probably didn't. But God orchestrated every detail. And we see this in his word over and over again, where he orchestrates details of people's lives Not perfect people, imperfect people with faults that fail and make mistakes and have to get up and try again. And God wants to do the very same thing for us. I've seen him do it in my personal life where he's orchestrated circumstances. In in times when you don't understand what's going on, just like Abraham, 
He didn't understand. God said, go. Where to? Just go. Okay? For how long? Just go. He trusted God. And God had a plan for him. And sometimes we don't understand God's plan for us. But when you serve God and you live for God and you seek God, he is going to direct your steps. So you can, you can put that in the bank. So let's continue with verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Imagine that. But the angel said to them, What? Do not be afraid, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. So when the angels went back up into heaven, the shepherds said, let's go see this thing that the angels told us about. And they went and they found Joseph and Mary and the child, just like the angels said. And they told Mary and Joseph what they had seen and what the angels had said. And all who heard it wondered at those things that were told by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. I can't imagine how Mary felt with all the things that transpired from the first time the angel told her. Picture them in the stable. Not the most sterile birthing suite. Baby Jesus is wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Mary is tired and needs to sleep. But there's this bright light coming through the cracks of the stable. She says, Joseph, why is it so bright this time of the night? I was wondering that myself. I'll go look. Mary, my God, there's this huge star hovering right over the stable. I've never seen anything like it. Can you imagine the things that they saw? We know he had a star because the wise men followed his star. And Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Have you ever pondered things that God has done for you? Have you ever been in awe of things God has done for you? I have. And I've treasured them. And I've pondered them in my heart. And I think about them. And when I get discouraged and when I'm in a trial, I remember. And I ponder those things in my heart. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? <laughs> would save our sons and daughters? Has come to make you new? This child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, 
did you know that your baby boy will give sight to the blind man? Would calm a storm with his hand? Has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Will one day rule the nations? Was heaven's perfect lamb. And the sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. That is mind-boggling to me. And I'm sure that Mary couldn't even, her mind couldn't even comprehend fully what was going on. I don't think, because we're human. But the Christmas story is an amazing story, and it's true. So why do we need Christmas? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 3 and 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. The sons of God. We are God's kids. We're his children. Titus 3, 7 Being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We're not only his sons, but we're heirs with Christ. Everything that he owns belongs to us. We cannot even imagine the scope of God's love for each one of us. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? And 1 Peter 3.15 says, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you. Has anybody asked you to give an account for the hope that is in you? Somebody asked me this week. I was in a place of business where I go on a regular basis. And there's an employee there that I've felt some kind of connection to. And I've prayed for God to give me an open door to talk to this woman. And Monday, she opened the door. She said something really strange to me when I got ready to check out. Alicia, she said, you're Pentecostal. I was like, how did you know? And she started laughing. And she walked outside the door with me. She said, I was raised Pentecostal. And I said, really? I said, well, you know all about it then. And we began to talk. And I told her, I said, well, you know what? I put my hand on her shoulder. I said, the Lord loves you. She said, I've been bad. I've been bad. No, I said, the Lord loves you. And he wants you back. And I said, you know enough about the word. You know the Lord is coming back. She said, I know. I think about it every day. We don't know who's watching us. 
But we must be able to give an account for the hope that is in us when people ask and be ready to give them some hope because the Lord is coming back. And so what is the reason for our hope? Jesus, the lamb who takes away the sin of the world, oh, come, let us adore him. And Brother Grant, that is all I have.